Welcome to the Bearing Fruit Podcast, where we will be discussing the simplicity of Christianity. This is a production of Simply Free Church in Lanark, Illinois. Now here's your host, Pastor Glenn Scott. Good morning. Why did you come to church here this morning? Now, you don't need to shout out or anything. I'm not going to take questions or give you a microphone. But I want you to think about why, not so much this church, why did you get up and go to church? What was the reason for it? And I think most everybody in here has probably been to a church and then switched to church because they didn't like something they saw or hear, heard, right? Um, a lot of people been into four or five different churches, even in the last year. Uh, one, one guy came for the first time, I, I won't shout out his name or anything, but said, I just want you to know that I'm a church hopper, and I probably won't be coming to church here, right? And I just wanted to see what was going on, and he hasn't left since. So, you know, you guys get credit for that, not me. What, did, what do you want? What do you want in a church? How do you think people should act? What do you expect when you go there? And what do you look for that you don't like that would make you never come back? I want you to think about this. Get this mind picture of the perfect church for you. Really, right down to the last little detail. What is a perfect church for you? And maybe you haven't found it yet. Okay, everybody got something they're thinking about? Now tell me what the perfect forgiveness would look like. You need to forgive somebody... Or somebody needs to forgive you. What would that look like in your mind? Perfect. Just the way you'd want it to go. We don't, we don't want to forgive people. We don't want to even talk to them because we don't think it's going to be this perfect thing. But what if you knew it was going to be perfect? You got that picture in your head? Let's do the next one. Perfect love. What in your mind... This mind picture you're getting right now, the perfect church, the perfect way to forgive or be forgiven, now the perfect love. And this is, this is something that where we put other people in front of you, right? This is agape love. This is not an emotional kind of love. This is an action. The perfect love. How do you want somebody to show you love? And how do you think you should show somebody else love? So whatever you're thinking in your head is bound to be perfect, Right? Perfect mercy. Mercy would be holding back the justice that you deserve. What to you is perfect mercy? How would that look in your mind? This would go right along with forgiveness, you see. Hold back what you deserve. What, what would this action look like? Somebody would come up to you and they would tell you something. And Perfect grace. Grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Now let's start with you. What does your perfect grace look like? You are going to give somebody something that they do not deserve. What would that look like? What would their response be? What would their facial expression be? Because we judge people like this. What would it look like? Okay, and now let's go the other way and say, you're going to receive grace. And this is how it should be. This is how I would want to get it from somebody else. 
I've done something to them, and they're, they're actually showing me mercy by not giving me the justice that I deserve. And the fact they're going to give me a little something extra, how would you want that presented to you? Whatever you're thinking about right now, you just described the perfect church. And it's got nothing to do with this building. It's got nothing to do with this hour we spent together right here, right now. How about the perfect marriage? What's that look like? Right? And, and we've, we've all been through relationships that didn't work out, or, or maybe we're not in one anymore, or maybe there was a death or something like that. So if that's, if that's you, use relationship instead of marriage. Perfect marriage, perfect relationship. What's that look like? You know, and give and take. Um, and it probably, now, now you're talking about perfect now. So it's actually going to be uh, perfect forgiveness, perfect reconciliation, perfect love, perfect mercy, per- perfect grace would describe your perfect relationship or marriage. Just exactly the way you want it. And, and we come into a place like this, and if everything's not just perfect, we leave. We'll go someplace else. So what was it that you saw that wasn't perfect for you? Okay, everybody got these answers in their head, right? That's you. You are the church. It's not this building. And everything's not going to be perfect unless you make it perfect. If you want perfect forgiveness, are you displaying perfect forgiveness? Perfect reconciliation. You're going to reconcile a relationship. And you know how this should look, right? This is, this is my perfect vision of how reconciliation should look. Are you going to do your part of that? And if it's not perfect, you're not going to show them mercy. You're not going to give them any grace. There's not going to be any perfect love because that went bad. It didn't meet your expectations. So now things will never be the same because you didn't do it right. Did you do it right? Church is a family. My wife came home just, just about in tears yesterday. She had been at this function. Of course, I thought something was wrong. She began to tell me how amazing it was to see a group of people get together. And she knew in this group there were biological parents and there were step-parents. There were divorced people that they knew somebody from the other family. There were stepmothers and biological talking to each other. This, this doesn't happen. This does not happen. She was so overjoyed that what an example of the church should be were these people who all got along and all had a bunch of crap in their past. They should not all like each other or talk to each other, but they did. That's the church. It's not here. I've seen people come in here and say, well, I can't go there because so-and-so goes there. Right? So that means that somebody out there probably won't come because you go there. 
The church is you. It's not here. And the display of the church is huge. And this is what I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. How do people see you? How do people see you respond to things? How do they see you act? Not in this building. That's easy. But out there, you claim to be part of the church. One universal church is a group of people, not a building. And you're one of them. So, in your mind, you've seen this vision of the perfect uh, forgiveness. And you walk into a church like this, and you see two people standing over there, and they're kind of arguing. Right? They're, they're doing something that's not quite right. They're raising their voice to each other, and you can see that something's not right. And you're saying to yourself, um, I don't think this is the church for us. I don't know what's going on there, but I saw some people doing that. Okay, I get it. Do people see that when they go into your house? Because that's your church. Could somebody walk into your house and say, hmm, do you hear the way they were talking to each other? I can't, I can't do this. And leave. Same thing. We just get together here. This is not the church. These walls have nothing to do with the church. It's you. So, if somebody expected to be loved, and they walked into a function or your home or saw you on the street, and they did not get this love that they're expecting, say, well, we won't be going to that church. That's your house. That's your place of business. That's your presence. Church is you. And if you expect perfect things in the way this vision is of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy, that means you have to do it. You see, you know, you come into some place like this and you say, they're really nice there. They're friendly and there's a dog running around. Oh, wait, a dog? Uh, see, I have to use us so I don't offend one of you guys, right? I've been to a lot of your houses. They got a dog running around in there. That, I, I can't go to church like that. Right? And they, they leave and won't come back. But they go to their friends' house who claim to be part of the church and there's a dog there. This is not the church. You're the church. Don't be telling me we can't do something in here if you're doing it at your house. Well, I hammered you, didn't I? So, how can it be that people can get along that probably shouldn't? Um, you know that they had an issue with each other and they reconciled it. This, this really is not natural, you know. We hold grudges. How can people do this? Well, they're acting like the church. This one's the church, and this one's the church, and you have a perfect reconciliation. You have perfect mercy. You have perfect grace. You have perfect love. Everything you wanted when you come into a building like this and judge everybody else is what you want. Are you acting that way? It's a two-sided thing, you know? It takes two. If you want that, why don't you display it? Because when you walk into somebody's house and you see something that you don't like, which is really the church, if you claim to be a Christian, that is your church. Your marriage, your relationships, where you live, where you work, 
you claim to be a Christian, and they see something that's not quite right, and they bail on you. But they go home and do the exact same thing. They act that way in church because that's their perfect church. But they go home and act different. Put up uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry means the work that you do for the, the Lord. And reconciliation is actually, it, the meaning of it would be to restore or restoration of favor of somebody. That's the biblical definition. The, the Greek word that they used here means to restore the favor of. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Now, they, they can be used in a couple different ways here. The reconciliation that most people in ministry do is to tell people the gospel, which means that Christ died so that you could be reconciled with the Father. Sin separated us. Christ died, substitute for us, because that should be us. And he reconciled this relationship, so now we have a relationship with God who has prepared a place for us for eternity. And you're supposed to do the same thing. That's the church. You're supposed to take the message of reconciliation. But if you can't do it, how does that look? Now, I'll, I'll use myself here again, and I'm sure you'll all laugh, but uh, I can't sell diet products. Right? Um, I would suck at selling razors. Uh, now, think about some stuff you guys do, right? Uh, you have to live this life if you want to be a good representative of something that you're trying to get to somebody or sell to somebody or, or teach somebody. You need to be a good representative, right? You have to play the part and walk the walk because fat people can't sell diet products. <laughs> doesn't work, right? You could look at the guy and say, oh, that doesn't work. So if you're trying to sell the reconciliation of you and God based on the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and don't act that way, you're not going to sell a thing. Because you're the church. It's not here. I've been to a lot of your houses. Just about everybody, no, everybody in here is really great at it. But I want you to think about it. Because what somebody sees you do outside of these walls represents the church just as much as inside. So now we're all getting really good at, oh, okay, the dog's not so bad. Well, those of you that stayed. <laughs> uh, the guy's beard's a little bit long, but it, it's okay. That's, that's a choice he's made. And, you know, I, I better watch my list here, but... If I don't act that same way outside these walls, who would ever come to church here? And you're no different. You're part of the church. You are the church. And you're supposed to act like you believe. Evidence of your faith. Hebrews 1, I think it's 11. There's evidence of what you hope for. The evidence is the goodness that you have. 
And I think you guys are all so great. I, I love each and every one of you. This just makes my day. This is where I get refueled and recharged. And, and, and then during the week, I get emails like, ugh, seriously? And I get a text that, okay, hey, you're doing a good job. And then you get a phone call. Oh, man. Guess I'm going to have to stop doing that. Right? Goes back and forth. And how I respond to them is huge. And it's not any different for you guys because you're the church. You're just as much of the church as I am. I just happen to have the guts to stand up here with a microphone and hammer you. And you come here for it. If you're trying to sell something and somebody comes to your home and you're not using it or doing it or even have it, they're probably going to wonder, oh, he's just selling it because he doesn't believe in it. But if you acted just like that, if I took a pill and lost 100 pounds in a week, you'd all get the pill. Well, (laughs) I'll have to edit that part out. Did I just imply something that... You know what I'm saying, right? We want to see evidence of something before we take it in. And it's not in this building. It's you. You are a representative of Jesus Christ. And the mercy and the grace that he's shown you and given you, you have to give to others. Um, well, I'm sure we've all been to somebody's house before and we're having a really good time and pretty soon somebody says, uh, something's going on here. That person just yelled at that person that person left. And uh, what, what's going on? Well, I don't know, but I saw that too. I heard him, I heard him yelling. Okay. <laughs> if you came in here this morning and saw that going on in that corner right over there, If you heard me say, Abby, that song sucks, and I don't ever want you to play it again. In fact, I don't even want you to mention that word because I don't like it, and we're not going to do it in this church. You'd say, that guy's too much for me. It was just his daughter. I mean, she's good at what she does, and he's yelling at her. Would you come back? But yet we act like that at our house. We act like that at parties. We act that way at our business. I'm not trying to turn you all into goody two-shoes. I am trying to get you so that you will respond and act in a way that actually represents Christ. When you say you go in his name, I pray in his name, whatever it is in his name, it means that you are a perfect representative of him. And if I go in the name of Pat... And I go and say, I'm here in the name of Pat, and uh, I can, uh, I don't know what, what you do. I better pick somebody. I'm here in the name of Pat, and she told me to get this, this, and this. And they say, uh, Pat doesn't do those things. They think I was a con man, right? Identity thief. But if I showed up and said, I am a representative of Pat. I've come in the name of Pat. And I would like to do this, and this, and this, and this. And they say, that's exactly what Pat does every day when she comes here. They do it for me. I'm sorry, Pat. I haven't hammered you in a long time. Right? I'm sure you deserve that one. There's a good example of I might not get some people to come back, right? How are you doing? 
This is your home. This is how you act on the street. This is how you treat people in a relationship with you. This is a marriage. Marriage is a perfect example of the church. This is exactly what a marriage is. A man leaves his father and mother and becomes one with his wife. Remember when we talked about this word one? It means equal, same, undividable. You can't split it. It's a whole and cannot be split. Just like Jesus says, I, am, I and the Father are one. Same word. And I taught you that we are supposed to be of one accord. Same word. One. Undividable. We should all act the same. Basically. What makes you different? We are one, and we are supposed to act like one. And if you act a certain way in here, if your spouse acts a certain way in here and leaves this place and acts different, you got to make you wonder whether the Holy Spirit's really in them or not. I love hearing those kids. I see y'all. I can never go back to that church. Those kids are just too darn... Right? If you don't like that, ah, I got myself in trouble. I had a couple of people leave the last time we talked about this, so I just... <laughs> we're just going to leave that right there. Your spouse should, you expect this, show perfect forgiveness, perfect reconciliation. Reconciliation is not a one-time thing, you know. This can happen every day. Perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect grace. That's how you want your spouse or a relationship you're in, or brothers and sisters or whatever, this is how you expect them to act. And they should expect the same from you. This should be so simple, right? Last week it was, uh, don't go to bed mad. Don't go, don't go to bed mad before the sun goes down. I can't remember what it is. Now see, because I can't say that word for word, some of you will believe. Maybe you can. Go start a church. can't help myself. Isn't that what you want? And isn't that what you expect? The perfect reconciliation. The perfect love. That's what you want. You really do. If uh, somebody in your mix does something wrong, you'd really like them just to apologize. And you've already got in your head how you'll react, right? And this would be just perfect. If they would just come up to me and say this or this, it would be perfect. And they might be waiting for you to do it too. Would you do it? Probably not. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, reconciliation is so hard. Let me tell you how hard it is. Jesus Christ hung on a cross and bled out. That's how hard reconciliation is. But he did it for you. You're supposed to imitate him. Now, I don't mean hanging on a cross. I mean, you do it. Because that's what you want. And you will leave a place. You will go someplace else. You will lose a friend. Because they're not doing it right. And maybe it's you. You want the favor and the blessing of God in your marriage, right? Relationships, whatever it is. Let's talk about what the favor and the blessing is. This is how you're going to get this perfect thing that you're looking for. 
right? If you just ask God and he's going to do anything uh, in the name of his son, he's going to give it to you as long as it's his will and he finds favor in you. I'm just going to throw these aside. Put up um, Ecclesiastes 4, 11 through 13. Everybody's probably heard this at a wedding, and it really doesn't. In context, it's not really done for a wedding. This is the church. Also, if two lie down together, that's what people think makes it a marriage, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If you have Christ in the center of your marriage, your relationships, whatever it is, you will be able to do these things because you're supposed to. You reconcile, you love, you have mercy, you show grace. It's the ministry of reconciliation. That's the church. And we want it, but we have a hard time doing it. So if your relationships or marriages or whatever were always one-sided, and you go to church, and everything is good, and you leave church and you go home, and you start yelling at each other, somebody's going to think you don't really have it because you're not acting like it, and you're the church. We won't be going to that church. That could be your house. That could be your school. That could be your place of business. That could be a lot of things. How are you doing? Being the church. Being a representative of Christ Jesus. I want to read this to you. Uh, Most everybody knows the Beatitudes, right? I'm going to summarize them here. And this is actually Christ. It's the beginning of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And he starts out by saying, Blessed is the poor in spirit. I want you to now apply these to your life, your marriage, and your relationship. You want a blessing, right? You want your marriage to be blessed? And you want the favor of God? Let's start with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means that you are heartbroken for what you've done. Wouldn't that be the, the, the forgiveness that you'd all be looking for? Wouldn't that be part of the perfect forgiveness? Is they just tore up what they did. Blessed are those who mourn. This is the sadness of losing something or someone. Blessed are the meek. Is that part of your marriage? Either one of you the meek one? You should both be. You want the blessings, right? I don't know why I'm looking over there. I'll start looking over here. I know, right? Don't, don't leave yet. Right? The good part's coming up here because that's what you want. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Is your marriage or your relationship hungry and thirsty for God? It should show. It should show in your house if you're a Christian and you want the blessing. Blessed are the merciful. Which one of you is going to be the merciful one? I would hope that you both would be. Blessed are those that have pure hearts. How are you doing with that? If you don't have a pure heart, you should at least be broken in spirit for what you've done. 
This is a great one right here. Don't ever forget this. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's you. That's you in your relationships. That's you with your friends, in your marriage. Blessed is the peacemaker. Somebody yells, you don't yell back, you realize that's mercy. That's trying to make peace. In fact, you go over and give them a hug and say that you're sorry. You're brokenhearted. That's what you should do. Not talk back. And say, what can I do to help? I just, I just want to help. Now, what they deserve is for you to yell back, right? You're thinking this in your head. I know. But that's mercy. Hold it back. And then give them the grace. You don't deserve this hug and this kiss from me, but I'm going to give it to you. This is a marriage. This is a relationship. This is the church. Not here. Will the worship team get ready? I'm really rambling on here. Um, I'll give you a good example of the church. Man takes 13 scouts out in camps for I don't know how many days, and he is the example of what he's trying to teach them. And they should act just exactly the way that he would like them to act. And he's, he's training them up in this way. Thank God for him, because I couldn't do it. But shouldn't that be our lives? Shouldn't that be our marriage? Shouldn't that be our relationships? Everything's going good. Everything's good. Let me teach you how to do it. And they're all very respectful. And he's making a good example. How are we doing? Because when people see you acting in a certain way, they're going to say, uh, I don't think they're a Christian. I got a friend that a lot of people, people walk up to him and they say, I think he's a believer. You know, not she, he, she, not, not to them. He like whispers to me. They feel it, the discernment, the Holy Spirit. They're a believer. Until they turn around and say, what the hell do you want? You know, that was probably poor. I... You see, right away, you're no longer in the church. You're no longer part of the church, and you no longer are showing any evidence that you are the church. We're all good in here, except for the pastor, on Sunday morning. He swears and everything. I can never go back to that church again because of what I just heard. You better not let that come out of your mouth because nobody's going to come to your house then. In fact, all your friends are going to leave you, right? They're going to walk out on you because you're not doing it right. You're not acting right. But yet you're the church. If you just use the third strand cord, it makes it so stronger. It makes our relationships so good. And it makes them have this, this holiness in them to where we can do better. At least think about doing better. Try to do better. Something. But he's the only one that can hold us together in this third strand. And we need it so bad. And you need to show it. You need to tell people about it. You are on the, in the ministry of reconciliation. You better start with yourself. But people should see this because you are the church. You know, when things are really, really dark, he makes the light. He comes into the light. We call him into the light so that we can see our way. This makes things better. When you have a heavy heart, he heals that heavy heart. And he makes it better. He makes a way for the reconciliation. That's what people should see. He turns lives around. 
All we really need to do is worship him and ask him to come into our heart and that we want to be the church and start to act like the church, then the world will be a better place. Then the first thing you got to do is ask him into your life and to make a way for you. I stand up here a lot and tell you guys how the church is supposed to be, right? And uh, this, it's, it's very biblical. What we're going to do is take some of these verses and we are going to put them into practice. Okay, church. This is what a church should do. This is you in your home, right? We're going to break bread together. Do you actually eat together? We are going to pray together. That's what churches do, right? We are going to worship together. We are going to meet each other's needs. This is what a church does, right? Acts 2 church. You all know about it. You're the church. That's exactly what you should be doing. In your marriage, in your relationships, your friendships, wherever it is. Sit down and eat together. Pray together. Worship together. Meet each other's needs together. Teach each other. And we do this with this, this kindness and this gentleness that is the evidence of our faith that we follow Jesus Christ. Pretty easy said, isn't it? Okay, let's take one more. Scripture. Everybody probably knows this. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us what this is for. And it says that all Scripture is given by God for... I better not use that word or you won't know what it is. I'll go ahead anyway. It's profitable for doctrine. That means to teach. It says it's used for reproof. That means to rebuke. It's used for correction. It's used for instructions for righteousness. Think about your marriages and your relationships right now. You should be using this to teach each other. You should be using this and the instruction on how to do it to rebuke one another. That doesn't mean you yell and get mad and mean at somebody. That's not what that means at all. You should be using this to correct one another and how it tells us to correct one another. The church. How to correct something in the church. That's what you should do at home. That's what you should do in your relationships. That's evidence of the church. And the last one is instructions for righteousness. Can you do that in your marriage? That's hard, isn't it? Because then one's going to think they know everything. And you don't quit telling me that. You see, your response to them trying to give you instruction is not Christian-like. It takes both sides. Both of you have to be Christians. This is why we're supposed to get in relationships with other Christians, because you're supposed to both act that way. Not just one of you. The church is in your car on the way home. You're, the church is in your house when you get home. The church is going to the store when you go to the store. And all these things, all these things, all this information is for you. You first. Don't take this and hammer somebody over the head with it. It's for you. It's to teach you how to act, what to do. Hammered you, didn't I? You probably never come back here because he didn't talk to me like a Christian. Then you better be doing it right. I can't help myself. 
We need to do better. We need to make this world a better place. Our relationships need to be better. Our relationships, our marriages, our, our place of business, everything needs to be better. God loves you the way I love that dog. Right? He doesn't know what I'm saying, but he understands the tone and the meaning and stuff. Do you treat other people that way? Because that's godlike. Just love them. You start treating people the way that you want to be treated. The perfect church. That's you. That's your home. You start treating each other that way, then you'll be able to change other people. And don't use scripture on anybody else until you've used it on yourself. It's the right thing to do. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for the instructions that you've given us. But those instructions are for us, not to use for other people to get what we want. God, thank you for setting an example through Jesus Christ, the love that you have, the mercy you have, the grace that you have, and help us through your Holy Spirit to just manifest in our heart to act that same way because his plan is so much better than ours. Help us to quit leaning on our own understanding and turn to you and keep you the third chord in everything that we do. It's in his awesome, beautiful, perfect name that we leave this place and we'll act different. Amen.